This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 245, recorded Thursday, December 3rd, 2015. Oh boy, it's a Thursday and you got it right too. The day of Thurs. It is. It sounds like you almost said Wednesday but corrected yourself at the very last second. It actually wasn't. I don't know what happened there. It was just some kind of little brain hemorrhage. Maybe it was a stroke. I don't, I'm not really sure. Well, I hope not. I hope not. In any case, you got the day right and that's good. Sorry, everyone. We're a day late. Uh, we just had some things come up yesterday that I, I couldn't sort of work around and uh, I knew we wouldn't be recording, so I went on Facebook to let everyone know. And uh, so anyways, we're here now. We're recording our feedback show for season six, episode eight, start to finish, mm-hmm. and uh, lots of good feedback. Before we get started, though, listener Jason in D.C. suggested something. Jason. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and not just that you change your name so that you guys don't have the same name. What, was he suggesting that you quit because you're you're crap on their podcast anyway? Well, no, but he wouldn't be the first person to have tried that. <laughs> I've been trying for years. It's not going to happen, folks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just need a new host and then everything would be fine. Yeah. Co-host. We're co-hosts. I don't host this thing. Whatever. All right. Nobody hosts it. No, we we're just, just two guys, you know? We're just, <laughs> it's like Zaphod Beeblebrox. Yeah. Um, anyways, Jason in DC suggested, he made a suggestion that he thought it would be awesome if every time there was a cliffhanger or, or even maybe just like a big episode, um, on The Walking Dead, he wants to know what outcome would make you rage quit the show. Sure. So if, in case anyone wasn't paying attention, you threatened to rage quit The Walking Dead if... Uh, if Glenn fell off the dumpster and it turned out to all be a hallucination. Yeah, that's pretty much the uh, the go-to uh, rage quit for me for a show, <laughs> except for the times that it's happened and it's been awesome, like the Bob Newhart show. Bob Newhart show, yeah. Did he, he have a hallucination? Well, you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but Bob Newhart had a show in the 70s. Well, I, and, I know his name, but never And then he had show. another show, a different show in the 80s, uh, where he was the uh, uh, proprietor of a um, like a bed and breakfast small hotel thing. You remember the, uh, it was the show where they had uh, hi, my name is Daryl. This is my brother. No, I'm Larry. This is my brother Daryl. It's my other brother Daryl. I, I I'm familiar with that too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that it's the show that that was on, and uh-huh. at the end of it, he woke up uh, in the finale of the second show. He woke up in bed in the morning with the wife from the first show, and said, "Man, I had the weirdest dream." Yeah, well... Like, the whole second show was just a dream. That's not the only... But that was okay. So that you... Well, that was hilarious. Okay. Because it's a comedy. Right, of course. So other shows have done that, too. But if The Walking Dead does something like that, you're rage quitting. Yeah, ever. Like, we just... You know, it doesn't matter what the situation is. If there's a hallucination where you just erase a whole plot point because uh, it was a hallucination or an hallucination, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to... Well, I'm going to go into a tirade. Okay. At the very least. At the very least. So I don't know if you have something to go right now, but if not, that's fine. You can think about it f- during this podcast if you want. And, oh, no, I got one. And No, I'm just saying, and tell us, um, we, we, right now we have Sam, 
before we cut to black, trying to get his mom's attention as they walk through all the zombies in the stench coat. So what outcome of that would make you rage quit the show? Oh, outcome of that? That's a tough one. Well, I was that's thinking. What I, mean. I was thinking of something with uh, Deanna. If when she uh, instead of uh, you know saving the last bullet for herself, she uh, she screamed and yelled at the uh, at the zombies, which I enjoyed. If uh, the outcome of that is that she has a superpower that uh, where she has a fantastic yell that knocks them all over and uh, and kills them all just from her yell, uh, I'll rage, rage quit the show at that point. Sort of a sort of a banshee quality, a banshee. Superpower. Yeah, some kind of superpower that uh, just is able to kill all the zombies just by yelling at them. Okay, well that's a pretty good one. Yeah, and maybe if Sam, uh, just I'm just I'll think about it throughout the episode. I can't think of anything right now. Okay, that's fine. That's what I meant. If you if you if you come up with something, I think uh, Jason in DC wants to know. And at any point, you yeah, know, I'll just I'll just interrupt the show. We'll just bring it to a grinding halt, and I'll uh, I'll give my rage quit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thought. There you go. It's it'll be some insight, even more insight into the way Jason's brain works. Yeah, not likely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's a lot to ask that his brain yeah, works. It is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Jason and DC, for sending that in. Let's get started with the feedback, shall we? Sure, sure. Listener feedback. All right. So we've got a whole bunch of emails here. Our first one comes from Sue in Sydney. I like how that rolls off the tongue. Sue and Sydney. Sydney Sue. That's right. Sue says, did you see Chris's blood pressure go off the scale because of his frustration and disappointment in the mid-season finale? The Walking Dead may be losing its mojo, but I hope not because I love the show. Yeah, me too. Did we I, all have hopes and dreams. Did I really go off the blood pressure scale? I don't know. I mean, I was uh, upset. Yeah, I'm, I'm better now. Um, yeah. But I, I, I did... I was a little upset, but I don't know if I was ready to, like, blow a gasket or anything. Right. And the fact that you may or may not even have gaskets is kind of disturbing. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, yeah, I think, you you know, you did some deep breathing exercises and you got yourself calmed down and uh, I think we're okay. Yeah, I think so, too. I went and did a hard workout after that and uh, I felt better after. So you walked up the stairs and grabbed a beer? Pretty much. Pretty much. That's a hard workout <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I walked up the stairs twice. <laughs> Because I forgot the beer the first time. <laughs> That's right. That was tough. I almost didn't bother to go again, but, you know, it was for a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so. You got to do what you got to do. Right. All right. Next, we have Gretchen on the internet. Hi. I thought it was a great episode, and it is possible to have tense moments even when the main characters don't die. I don't consider Deanna a main character. Yeah. I mean, I don't either. Deanna, to me, is a secondary no. character, even though she's very important to Alexandria, right? Well, is there anybody uh, that comes from the Alexandria crowd that we now consider a main character? Well, who who have we got? I mean, the ones, the candidates would be Deanna, Aaron, maybe Ron. Yeah. And like the other ones, like Tobin, definitely secondary. Um, uh, who else? You know, I can barely even think of anybody else. We've got people that have been around for two seasons that are still called, just still secondary characters. I mean, Father Gabriel is... Uh, is a secondary character, and he's been around for a while. Yeah, that's for sure. He's barely he was barely in this first half of this season. Even Abraham, mm. I don't know if he's a would consider him a main character, but he's uh, uh, he's still 
I don't know. He's still on the fence. There, you know, there, I guess there, it's a whole argument because there was a, a guy in uh, the Grateful Dead. They brought in a new guy in the Grateful Dead, and he was in the band for thirty six years, and a lot of people still thought him thought of him as the new guy. Well, because he wasn't original, right? Right. So maybe I'm falling into that kind of uh, mindset just because he wasn't in the first season doesn't mean that he's a secondary character. No, but I mean, think about Rosita. I she, We go long, she's been in it a little bit more lately, but we go, or we went long stretches where she was barely doing anything. Yeah. And well, we've had that with Daryl. Yeah, that's true. We've had that with Daryl too. You know what? I almost feel like we have a, an entire show of secondary characters at this point because really Rick and maybe Morgan are the only ones that, <laughs> that like, I feel like have had a lot of screen time in season well, six. Well, you see, Morgan is that, that on that weird, uh, in that weird spot again, too, because he was in the first season. Right. But, and he was in the third season, or what, what was clear? Was that third or fourth? Uh, I'm going to say fourth. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's not the new guy. No. But he's also not been around as much as Rick. But I, I would think of him as a main character. But see, this is a this is a an interesting point. I mean, I think we may have an email about this later on. I didn't go through all the email in as much detail as I usually do. Um, but I think this may be a scenario where we have a cast that's really big, and we've got a whole group of secondary characters now. Yeah. Um, or we have to redefine what main and secondary character means on this show. So I wonder if we need a culling. Do we need a reduction of characters? Like all at once, just hack a whole bunch off, focus in on a little bit more core group from here on. That would be wicked cool. I actually, I'm all in. I think that would be fantastic. I actually think so too, because we'd get more time and more interesting episodes with you know, less, a smaller group of characters, potentially characters that we generally care more about. So how many people got escaped from the farm? Oh, now we're going back to season two or I whatever. Know, I'm just thinking that was the last time we had a really small core group of characters. Well, okay. We had a few people die at the farm that we called a bunch of uh, characters and then all of a sudden we left with like, what, six, maybe seven? Well, I mean, Rick left the farm, Carl, uh... Uh, Maggie, Glenn, that's four. Andrea Hers- was Herschel. there. Herschel. Um, Beth. Seven. Um, Shane did not leave the farm. Uh, Dale, did Dale leave the farm? No, no. Died. Dale died just the episode before Shane. So seven, we're probably forgetting one or two, but think about that. Seven core characters. Yeah. Um, and let's say we're forgetting a few. Max 10. And now you can probably list off 20 characters on this show. We've yeah. just we've just expanded the group, you know, hugely. So maybe it's time for a reduction. It's time for a culling down. I'd do it. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't do it. I would be into that kind of storytelling. You'd be on board. Yes. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, thank you, Sydney Sue. Next is, no, that was Gretchen, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Sorry. Thank you, Gretchen. And thank you, everybody. Next is uh, Bernie, a Canadian in London, UK. Bernie says, what I liked about this episode is that all loose ends are tied. What I mean is, we know what's happening with Glenn. We know what is going on with Deanna, Rick, and the rest of the group. We also know what happens with Maggie. We know where Carol and Morgan are. And we know what is going on with Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham. 
we basically know where everyone is, more or less, and what is coming up for them. Except for Aaron. The only problem with Bernie's message here is, I sort of feel like there's a lot of loose ends, and I don't know if Bernie's being sarcastic or not. Because <laughs> you could... You could say that, like, not a lot was resolved, right? There are tons of loose ends. Glenn shows up. No, well, character-wise, like, we know where everybody is, except for some notable exceptions. But mostly, for the most part, we know where Maggie is. Okay, we know physically where they are. But Glenn shows up at Alexandria, doesn't get in. Uh, They walk through the the group of zombies. Uh, We don't know... What's gonna if they're gonna make it to the armory? Now I, I guess those don't count as loose ends. Those are just unfinished storylines, right? Um, uh, and I guess we do know where Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham are, but we've we've just opened up a whole new bunch of questions, you know, based on what's about to happen with them meeting that group of guys in the road. So yeah, I guess on one hand you could say that loose ends are tied up and that we know where everyone is. But I still feel like there's a lot of outstanding questions I have about what's going to happen. But, I mean, this is a TV show and those questions aren't going to be answered. Or there there will always be questions until the show is over. That's true. And then Even there then, will probably Lord. be questions and we'll debate them for hours on end on the internet. Yes, we will. Thanks, Bernie. Thank God for the internet. Yeah. All right, next we have Dan from Columbus, Ohio. This mid-season finale might be the worst one. In season two, it was Sophia in the Barn episode. In season three, Rick's group attacks Woodbury. Daryl's gets captured, and we meet Sasha in Tyrese. In season four, the prison falls when it was attacked by the governor. In season five, Rick's group tries to rescue Beth from the hospital, and she is killed. With those episodes in mind, I think this may be the worst finale. What do you guys think? I think Dan might be onto something. I think that Sophia coming out of the barn is probably the single best scene this show has done. So that episode is certainly uh, more impactful. I don't know about that, but it was good. Uh, What, that it was the the best scene the show's done? Yes. Okay, well, that's just my opinion. I think it was amazing. I've gone back and watched it uh, recently, and I've actually gone back and watched that scene, that individual scene, more than any other scene in in the six seasons so far. Right. Um, Rick's group attacking Woodbury, and that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, season four, the prison falls when it's attacked by the governor. Uh, not bad, but that's when Herschel gets decapitated, right? Yeah, he gets killed three times by three different people. No, it was the governor that got killed three times. Sorry, I was uh, yes, about something else. The governor got re-killed a few times, but you know that was pretty shocking and pretty fascinating and exciting. Yes, yep. Um, season five, Rick's group tries to rescue Beth from the hospital. That one might be the one that that I wouldn't put above this one. I think I'm with you on that one. Everything else was better, uh, but Beth in the hospital, I'm not sure, beats out this mid-season finale. Yes, both of them had problems. It's difficult to say which one I think was worse or better, but I'm thinking that maybe this one was better, even though I feel like I complained more about about <laughs> season six than season five, mid-season finale. I don't know. It's It could be just that it's more fresh, and as time goes on, sometimes your your memories of things change or are tainted a little bit, so... Oh yeah, memories it's, are horrible. It's te- it's it's difficult to really say definitively that I thought this one was better, but um, yeah, I think it comes down to those two, season five and six. So that means we've had two weak mid-season finales in a row. 
That is the truth. And season seven, oh man, we're due for a good one in that case. But we've <laughs> still got 16 episodes to go before we get to that. So uh, that's how I'd rank them, Dan. And it sounds like you agree, Mr. Miles. I do. All right. Thanks for that one. Next up is Gala in Maple, Ontario. What an episode. I don't think Bear McCreary gets enough credit. That music for the ending scenes was just wow. And that's true. I don't know about you, but I've been listening to Bear McCreary's music uh, this half of this season. And not in every episode, but at least in three or four of them, it really struck struck me as something amazing. It jumped out, and I think he's done a great job with the the score to these things. Which I guess he always has, but something about season six has sounded really good to me. You know, when I've uh, when I've noticed it, it's been really good. But I'm not, I've never been one to really notice scores and soundtracks, oddly yeah. enough. So uh, you know, when I have noticed it, I have uh, I have enjoyed it. But I couldn't, for the life of me, bring up what I heard at the end of the episode. Yeah, he well, he does a, a really good job with the sort of sort of. Uh, tension building kind of thumping bassy type music and uh, he's he's amped it up a notch i think in season six and he's doing a pretty good job so uh you, you know we haven't talked about bear mccurry in a long time it was big news and it was very exciting when he was hired way back in you know before season one yeah but now six years later like nobody even thinks about it anymore but he's still there and he's one of the most preeminent tv show composers out there fantastic i don't know if he'd like to be described that way but he's he's done some <laughs> right amazing ask him. he's done some amazing work you know from Battlestar to this and lots of other things oh, yeah. so yeah all right next we have uh, Hoda in Annapolis Maryland I felt that the mid-season finale lacked a punch shouldn't a mid-season finale leave us gasping for air <gasps> it's pretty clear how episode 9 will start off and I'm not sure why they couldn't have ended the mid-season finale with the consequences of the little boy yelling for his mom Maybe show a zombie or two coming at them. Well, and that's how I felt. I wanted like two more minutes of show. Instead of showing us the Daryl stuff on the road, give us two more minutes in Woodbury, I would have been way happier. Unless they were two crappy minutes, but... <laughs> Alexandria. I mean, Ale- Woodbury. yeah, you're right. Alexandria. Thank you. I'm thinking governor still. Um if if they'd given us two more minutes to see the outcome of that, I feel like I would have been way happier. Two minutes is a long time. Maybe 10 more seconds. 10 seconds, 30 seconds. Yeah, it maybe doesn't even need two minutes. But uh, I, I'm with Hoda on this one that uh, it just needed some, it needed a bigger punch at the end. The only thing I guess I could say is that when they go to black, the zombie sounds continue for an extra second or two. And they seem to me to intensify, which indicates that maybe they're getting wise to the stench coat plan and it's not going to go well. Uh, zombies are not smart. They're not going to figure that out. Well, I think they might. Well, especially when one of the zo- other zombies is saying, Mom, Mom. Oh, yeah. Very few zombies actually call for their mommy. Very few. Very few. Yeah. So anyways, I, I agree. Next, uh, moving right along here, we've got Richard in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is the name of a town I really like. It is. I have, uh, I worked for years for a woman who originated from Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's great. I love it. Bowling yeah. Green. I just love saying it. Anyways, Richard says, average, average, average. Had the alpha wolf killed someone other than Denise, like Carol, I might have given a crap about the episode. Mid-season cliffhanger? I don't think so. I mean, who cares about Denise? 
And he didn't even kill her. <laughs> no, he didn't. He just held a knife to her throat for a little while and, and to get some guns. And took her away, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe they're walking out into the town to their doom, but we didn't see anybody actually die. So uh, that's it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he said yeah. kid- kidnapped, not killed. Did, oh. I, did I read killed? Yeah, I think you read killed. God, what is wrong with me? The alpha wolf had kidnapped someone other than Denise. Yeah, take, take, take Carol, take somebody else. Yeah, really. Or, take somebody we care about. Or frankly, kill somebody. I mean, why not? They, we need to reduce the characters. <laughs> yeah. So well, maybe next next episode he'll uh, he'll kill a bunch of uh, people, including kids. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. So it is. All right. All right. Next, we have Corey in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin, right? W I Wisconsin. See, I'm not good with state abbreviations. I'm barely keeping up with the ten provinces that we have. S K. S K. Saskatchewan. M B. Manaboba? P-E. P-E. What's P-E? P-E-I. These I know. I'm telling you. It's the it's the states. It's the 50 states that I have a problem I with. I wanted to test you on your home country. Yeah. Don't tell me. I, I, don't ask me where uh, St. John versus St. John's is, because that really? I don't know. You can't yeah. do? Apostrophe S is? No. What? Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Okay. And St. John is? New, Are you sure? New Brunswick, I'm positive. Are you sure it's not the other way around? St. John's is in Newfoundland. All right. <laughs> and technically it's Newfoundland and Labrador. Newfoundland and Labrador. I know that one. All right. All right. Read the email. <laughs> <laughs> Geography later. All right. Corey in Milwaukee. The first three episodes were very good, but I didn't give them a five rating. And I really feel like they jumped the shark a bit with the whole Glenn thing. But wow, what a great episode. The music at the beginning was amazing. Very similar to the music the same director used in The Grove. It's been a while since the show has had my heart racing like that. There's so much to cover in a second half, and it doesn't look like the Sasha Abe Darrell cavalry is coming with the Chekhov's RPG after all. One of the best episodes ever. Five Walker blood-covered babies out of five. Way to go, Walking Dead. Thanks for reminding me how amazing you can be. Well, this is the kind of thing I like to hear, Corey, that, you know, there are people out there that love this episode, and I'm super happy that you did. And I I guess there's probably lots of people out there that loved it. Yeah, Uh, and any Walker-covered baby star rating system is fantastic. (laughs) It's kind of gross and a little disturbing. (laughs) No, it's not, because it's just Walker blood-covered. It's what they did to Judith. They put a, a you know a, a gormaflage over top of her. So it's it's not it's not a dead baby thing. It's a protecting a baby thing. Okay, so it's not it's not upsetting at all then. No, it's not upsetting. It's just it's awesome. Okay, it is awesome. Yeah, I give it five uh, blood covered babies out of five. That rating system. That's extremely meta. It is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, no, it's great to hear that someone really liked this episode. Um, and you know, no, the Sasha Abe Daryl Caval- Cavalry is not coming anytime soon. But now I just wonder what they're going to do with the rocket launcher or the grenade launcher. Well, what do you do with any rocket launcher or gr- grenade launcher in uh, storytelling? You fire it. You fire it at some badass son of a bitch that you want to die right friggin' now. Yeah, but I'm just wondering when that's going to happen and who that badass SOB is going to be. Uh, we don't know. And I, you know, we all thought they were going to show up and save the day in Alexandria with the giant rocket launcher, but it didn't happen. And part of me thinks, you know, we should have realized it didn't happen because I almost feel like if they had to do that big of an explosion for filming, it would have been in the news. 
you know, like Walking Dead films giant explosion in Sonoy, Georgia. Uh, but none of that ever came out that I know of, so right. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Chekhov's RPG, it's got to show up again at some point, and uh, hopefully it'll be in the second half of the season. Yeah. Next up, Miles in San Francisco. At first, I was excited to see the zombies become a real threat again, but I was let down when no one was eaten. I thought it was going to be an action-packed bloodbath like the invasion of Herschel's farm, but no RPGs, no Glenn Maggie reunion, no comic book moments, and no big character deaths left me wanting more. Yeah, a little lackluster. They hinted at and kind of set up some big comic book moments, but didn't really pay them off yet. And I don't want to go into them because it's spoilery, but maybe that's something we'll talk about in a future podcast. Yeah. All right, next we have Andy in the UK. When the last five episodes were shown to be... I'm going to start that over. When the last five episodes were shown to be so slow, I was thinking to myself, it's okay, it'll pay off. All these pieces are moving into place for a humdinger of a mid-season finale, but I completely agree with Chris. I was left feeling very underwhelmed by the whole episode and the last four episodes, and the last four episodes, actually. To me, this episode felt like one big trailer for how great the second half of this season is going to be. Ron and Carl will fight... Rick will finally take full charge of Alexandria, and the Alpha Wolf is on the loose. Glenn will be reunited with Maggie, Daryl will get his crossbow back, and Negan will feature. It all sounds so epic, but why couldn't we have seen some of that good shit through the last few Boarfest episodes? Makes me wonder if we're in for a fantastic episode 8 and 9, and then a snooze fest till the finale. Hope not. Yeah, a frantic episode 9 and 10, and then a snooze fest till the finale. Uh, I don't want all of this stuff to play out in episode nine either because uh yeah they're i don't want it all to group up together and then we have a couple episodes that just blow our socks off yeah a little more consistent pacing would be nice yeah and then maybe maybe that's what it is the pace is just funny we go from the excitement of glenn dying and the the way the, the first couple episodes were with the quarry and all that good stuff to like Morgan and then that episode that you didn't like at all where they were standing around Alexandria talking the whole time. Yeah. So pace it out a little bit better and uh, we'll stop complaining. Uh, but I, I, I do feel like I'd like to stop <laughs> complaining anyways because... That's the that's the threat. You start pacing this thing better or we're going to keep complaining. Or we're going to complain even harder. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, you know, we'll have to let this go at some point, Jason, because nobody wants... And I'm talking about myself, mostly, to be fair. I don't want to put my problems onto you. Uh, but nobody wants to hear that over and over again. So um, hopefully we can move into some feedback here that eliminates that. Next up is Jennifer on the internet. Jennifer says, You mentioned that Tara and Rosita saved Eugene twice. But actually, they first saved Tobin by picking him up off the ground after the church fell. And you see Eugene hiding against the wall. He's still cowering there when they come save him. And it's true. And I even noticed this when I went back and watched the opening part of this episode again after our Monday show. It's Tobin they pick up the first time, not Eugene. So, yeah, so it's not like they save Eugene and then save him again. But you can see Eugene in the background of the shot where they pick up Tobin. And for some reason, that's what I was focusing on. And uh, I don't know. I just got confused. But then the question follows, where the hell is Tobin? You know, they Where pick, the hell is Tobin? They pick him up, they run off, 
And then they go get Eugene, and Tobin's nowhere to be found. So did he just go the other way? Uh, he's hiding in a sewer? Maybe. Maybe he wanted to get back to his own house. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? So they should have, I feel like they should have had him there when they showed up to get to get uh, Eugene, but, yeah, well, I was confused. I apologize. <laughs> we'll get over it, Chris. Don't worry. Yeah, I know. All right. Next, Rebecca from Glasgow writes, holy crap, did you see Sam's drawing? From what I gathered, it was someone tied to a tree with the monsters beside it. Is Sam thinking about what Carol told him last season? Is Sam actually cut off? Uh, is Sam actually cut out for the world? Nah, that kid's fucking dead. <laughs> Sam scares the shit out of me. <laughs> He's very dangerous uh, because of his, like, you know, naivete. And he's going to get everyone killed. But you're right, the photo or the, the drawing he was drawing, the picture he was drawing. The was, drawing he was drawing. Yeah, was of him tied to a tree with walkers around. So he's drawn the picture that Carol threatened him with. Yeah. Right? That's creepy, man. Okay, so he's unstable. Uh, he's got PTSD. Because he's been scared shitless, and now he's stuck in the uh, in the upstairs of his house, refuses to come down. Uh, he's been told things that have freaked him out, and have uh, he's been obsessing over. And uh, Rick killed his father, so yeah, he's dangerous. But can you blame him when you put when you make that list? <sighs> well, yes, of course I can, because everybody's responsible for their own actions. Okay, that's true. But even like a seven-year-old, six-year-old, however old he is, right? Like he's been through a lot, and that's he's tough. had he's had grown-ups tell him all the wrong things. Yeah. For, like from starting with "I'm going to tie you to a tree and let them kill you," to her being mean about the cookies, Carol. I mean, to you know, Carol telling him you have to kill if you don't want to be a monster and then his mom saying pretend you're somebody else who's not scared like <laughs> these are this poor kid has just taken had it rough and just I don't, pretend you're not a homicidal maniac yeah yeah just, just for a little while just for a while until we can figure <laughs> out how to deal with it so oh, carol's gonna have to kill that little bastard that's gonna be sad but you know what if anyone has to do it it'll be carol she's done it before yep all right next up is michael in london michael says not sure about you two but after leaving the house covered in guts, did it seem like our groups seemed to have no idea what to do next? They were looking around, and every possible avenue was taken up by the undead. I got the impression that even though after walking safely through all those zombies, they wouldn't know what to do long term. And what a time to ask your mom a question. <laughs> mom! Hey, mom! 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> they should go to the quarry. That's got no zombies in it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, guys. That's the one place they know that there's no zombies. Yeah, yeah. We, we know this quarry. It used to be full of zombies, but then we led them all here, so we're just going to go back there. We'll trade. It's a fair trade. It's a fair trade. Why not? Um, the plan is to go to the armory, get some guns, and I guess start clearing the town. But they better have a lot of guns. Because that's a lot of zombies. Yeah, and someplace to hold up, someplace secure, because we know that houses are not secure. Um, do they? There's no real... Is there a town hall or something? Because they've been meeting in Deanna's house, so there's no real town hall. No, I don't think so. A yeah. jail would work. 
I don't think they have that there, and we've been through that. Yeah, maybe into the sewers, maybe down where uh, Maggie and Aaron went. No, but they need somewhere where they can they can shoot the walkers from. Like, if they're going to load up on all the guns, what are they going to do? Just walk back out into the town and open fire and hope they take them out fast enough? Yeah, that's not a good idea. I don't think so. They need, you're right, they need to be like upstairs in a house that is somehow really secure and just fire out the windows and take their time to, you know, get headshots every time. Yeah, I don't know. I think they should head into Washington and go to uh, go to the White House. That's probably secure. It's got a pretty good iron fence all the way around it. They cleared that sucker out. They could live there for a long time. That's a great idea. I wonder if it's already been uh, claimed, though. I don't know. It'd be hard to film in. I'm sorry, Mr. President. We'd have to uh, uh, let the grass grow for a couple of years, and then you're, you can't really work here or live here for a little while because uh, we're filming a show. We're, we're filming a show. and We're you know, from Hollywood. You got to get out. <laughs> That's right. We came from California. Yeah. So uh, vacate, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Where the heck are we? All right. Next, we have Tim from California. I'm sure many of your listeners will write in and mention the absurdity of Tara and Rosita handing over their guns to the wolves in the standoff in the basement. Listening to your recount, I got to thinking, well, horror movies are famous for this, and we've all yelled at the screen about somebody doing something stupid. I wondered, what's the difference? I think the difference is that the writers of the show should think more about this than those characters in horror movies are completely unknown. Uh, we have no knowledge of their intellect, uh, their capabilities. We are not invested in their stories and survival. Here we spent hours getting to know Tara and Rosita as supposedly smart, inventive, and cunning, only to have them do something so incredibly stupid. It's out of character and really is an insult to the viewers, as if we meant to forget everything we've seen and now pretend these are now just the average horror movie idiots. The runners need to stop incorporating horror movie tropes into a long-running dramatic series. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, comment. Um, I don't know if it's totally fair to say that in a horror movie we don't have, you know, a, a good feeling for characters because... Well, it depends. It's If it it's depends. the idiots that die at the beginning, then yeah, we don't know. We, we know that they're red shirts, that they're destined to die doing stupid things. Yeah, that's true. So I think that might be uh, the people that uh, that Tim is talking about. Yeah, those morons at the beginning of the sh- at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a good movie will have characters that you do get to know over the course of the film. So if it's the people at the beginning that just get killed uh, um, for no other reason than they're stupid, then you know that's fine. But in this case, we do we get to know characters. We have seasons worth of material to develop characters and so on. And, uh, you know, we know they're, they are able to do things and not do other things and they're competent. And then we get a scene like this where they just basically roll over and run away with their tail between their legs and that's it. So I, I can see Tim's point for sure. Um, and, uh, this kind of thing just reminds me of, uh, was it, uh, one of the Simpsons Halloween specials was like, oh no, he's got a board with a nail in it. <laughs> Run yeah. away. Run away, exactly. <laughs> there, there's so many other things they could have done in that scene, you know, least of all, or best of all, just take the shot and hope for the best. So, I don't know. Uh, I think Tim has a point here that, that these characters should have been written a little bit differently in this scene. Even if they wanted to s- the same outcome, 
of the wolf getting away, maybe there was a better way to get to that point, right? That seemed a little more, um, for lack of a better word, realistic. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Next email comes from Chris in the UK. And Chris is a listener. He's been listening for a long time. I think he possibly sent in the longest email we've ever received. Uh, I, I read the whole thing. And and then I counted the words. He wrote 1,753 words in his email. That sounds like <laughs> the longest email ever written. <laughs> it could be. Um, and just to put that into perspective, a couple of years ago or a few years ago when we did our short story contest, we capped that at 1,000 words, right? <laughs> yes, we did. Right. So people sent in, we got all kinds of short story entries um, that were 1,000 words or less. Chris comes along this week and sends us in a email that's nearly double that so this this was pretty long anyways i pulled out a section from his comments regarding the wolf and chris says with carol and morgan incapacitated no one in that room has yet killed a real person let's not underestimate how hard it is to cross that line for the first time yes tara is pretty handy killing walkers but a hostage hostage situation with real people especially one Uh, where you have feelings for the hostage is something very different. I'd have a problem if the wolf was staring down Rick, Carl, and Michonne, but I can believe that Tara, Rosita, and Eugene would bottle it. And that's assuming that shooting the wolf is the right call. If you don't get an instant kill, you've killed the hostage. I also get why the wolf didn't shoot. There is, after all, a huge herd of walkers kicking around, plus a town full of people who will want him dead. I would think that a quiet getaway is his preferred option here, even if he does eventually plan to come back and kill them all. So now, Jason, I can see both sides of the things here, uh, both sides of this argument here. And, you know, like Chris said, Rick, Carl, or Michonne would have taken that shot without thinking twice. Tara, Rosita, and Eugene, Eugene especially. Well, Eugene probably, he's he's got poop in his pants. You know, there's a there's yes. a a threatening situation. Somebody with a knife. It doesn't matter to Eugene has a, a bigger knife. Uh, yeah. So Eugene's a write off. He's That's afraid of Brandon. everything. That's right. Yeah. Tara and Rosita. Tara, Tara has feelings for uh, for the doc. So let's discount her altogether. Mm-hmm. Rosita. I think Rosita would have taken the shot. Rosita is the one of the three that might have for sure. But as Chris said, I mean, has Rosita ever killed? a living person before there is a big step there from killing a zombie to killing a living person. And I don't know. I mean, I can't think of every encounter she's had in the show, but well, have, has anybody ever asked her the questions? No, I think she joined the group before Rick thought of the questions or uh, maybe, maybe that's not true, but no, I don't think anyone's ever asked her the questions. And I don't know if Rosita's really been a big enough part of the show for us to see, you know, this kind of thing. I, I just, I don't think she's killed a living person that we know of. Um, I, I mean, unless, no, I, I don't know. So, but, but I, the point stands that it's a big jump from killing walkers to killing right. a human. And it's not within, you know, it's, it's reasonable to think that she might hesitate. Or make the wrong decision. But you're right. If if any of those three were going to do it, it would have been her. Yeah. Um, but Chris's point is well taken. And, uh, you know, the scene put in those terms, to me, maybe doesn't seem as crazy. But I still think that 
it probably would have been the right thing to do to just try to take out that that wolf and move on. Well, obviously the best thing to do, now that I've had some time to reflect on it, is to do what uh, uh, what they did in Speed. You remember watching Speed with Keanu Reeves and, uh, damn it, what's his name? Keanu the Reeves dumb... and, and Sandra Bullock. Yes, but the uh, the other <laughs> male actor in it, uh, he was one of the dumber, Dumb and Dumber guys. Oh, Jim Carrey. Jeff, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that guy. The other guy. Anyway, the uh, there were a couple of FBI guys. And uh, the when put into a hostage situation, Keanu Reeves was the hostage, and uh, no, it was the other way around. Keanu Reeves was the uh, was the shooter, and the guy we can't name was the hostage. And the uh, the obvious answer there was shoot the hostage because we because so he doesn't Keanu have a Reeves, name. Uh, well, he has a name, and he's a good actor. He was in a lot of stuff that I really oh, liked. Okay, uh, he was in Dumb and Dumber. He was in uh, the Newsroom, which Jeff, I really liked. Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, thank you very much, Christopher. Yeah. Uh, so Jeff Daniels uh, was the hostage, and Keanu Reeves shot him in the leg, taking him out of the equation. Right, right. So the answer to this obviously is shoot the hostage. Yeah, shoot the hostage, and then, well, it's not a problem anymore. Exactly. The hostage is out of the equation. That's right. Um, the rest of Chris's email was, as I said, super long, but uh, he broke down nearly everything in the episode, and he sort of how how some stuff worked and some stuff didn't work, but at the end he basically said we should all calm down and let it play out the way it's going to play out. Sure, which, which is also a good point. <laughs> it is a good point. I'll try to calm down from here on. <laughs> Please, Chris. Yeah, your blood pressure, man. I know, I know. I don't want to blow a gasket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Next we have uh, Martin from the older Pickering in the UK. I'm from the new Pickering. In Canada. Yes, you are. All right. Martin writes, uh, just a quick comment about the most recent episode and Tara and the others not shooting the wolf. I think you have been a a bit unfair on them. I guess so. Uh, It was clearly a difficult shot. He was using the good doctor as cover. He was at least, oh, 12 to 15 feet away. I mean, it's not like, say, Tara is a great shot, you know. It's not like we've seen your headshot zombies at 30 plus feet, one-handed, while hanging off a wall while avoiding friendlies. Wait, hang on. (laughs) Now see, this email, I understand the sarcasm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like we've seen her do all these amazing feats of uh, riflery. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And she couldn't take a 12 to 15 foot shot straight at a dude. But like we said, she has feelings for the doctor, and that clouded her judgment at the time. Well, I don't think I would, you know, if you were holding my wife hostage, I don't think I would shoot because I'd be afraid of hitting my wife. That's the point. That's right. Yeah, she, that's she, exactly it. She couldn't take that shot because she was scared of, of you know, hurting the person she cared about. Right. So. So if you were, if you were hanging on to, you know, holding somebody else hostage that I didn't know, I'd shoot you right between the eyes without hesitation at all. To save some random stranger. <laughs> yeah, you're holding somebody hostage. You die. Wow. I thought you shoot the hostage, though, dude. Well, that's if I like the hostage, and it's not my wife. But you know, if I shot my wife in the leg, I'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Frankly. Probably. But at least you saved her life, probably. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you I shoot me in the I leg? Don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. Hopefully it never comes to that. Yeah, no kidding. Next up, Justine in NorCal. Did you see how many chances Dr. Denise had to get away from the Alpha Wolf? 
I found myself yelling at the screen so many times as he was holding her, quote, hostage, <laughs> especially when he was standing at the open door, when it would have been easy, uh, it would have been so easy for her to just slam the door on him. I was frustrated by the whole scene, beginning with Carol and Morgan's fight, which never, which never should have happened after all they've been through, and I'm pretty unhappy with the whole episode. I don't know. I don't know if it would have been that easy for uh, Denise to just slam the door on the guy and, like, get away. I mean, he is holding a gun at that point, and she's probably scared stiff, right? She doesn't yeah. know how to react, and, um, I mean, maybe, maybe she had a chance, but nobody else in the room had any weapons, and he was holding a gun, so you you want to do what that person says. Yeah, if someone's getting, pointing a gun at you, you do what he says. Yep. That's just a general rule that I live by. It's a good one. Yeah. All right, next we have Gary in Webster, New York. Our heroes are all expert shots. We have seen them all nail a walker in the head at 20 yards while running away from the walker and the walker stumbling after them. So Tara and Rosita have Alpha Wolf and Wolf Wolf, Alpha Wolf <laughs> in their sights at 10 feet, standing perfectly still, and they don't take the shot. Yes, Dr. Denise was being held, but they should have been able to make that shot in a heartbeat. Why give up your guns to this psychopath? I am sick of this trope. Oh, you're holding someone? I must not be able to hit a target like your head at this range anymore, so I must give up. Give me a break. Yeah, so similar point here that uh, these people have shown, they've proven to us that they're, they can take shots like this, and they didn't do it. But, you know, there are other factors. Well, there are other factors. Let me tell you about uh, about my golf career. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I think it, it is not a career, and uh, my problem with golfing is that every year, for a long time, I would go out to the golf course, and I'd be all excited because it was like April or May, and the night it was a nice day out, and I could finally get on the golf course and uh, swing at some balls. So I would play golf, and I would enjoy it, and I'd hit. Uh, I'd be able to do a reasonable job. The more I played that year, the worse I got. If I would just. I would. It would get to the point where I would might as well just leave everything at home except for my putter and just putt down the fairway and I would be able to get it at least stay on the fairway all the way to the green because with the putter it's not hard so and the problem is that when I first started out playing golf in the spring it's everything is just an open field literally and figuratively I just play because of the sheer enjoyment of it the more I played the more I cared about hitting that ball straight the more I cared the worse I got so running and gunning from uh, zombies all over the place, you just all you're doing is shooting because who gives a shit what you hit, really? You're just aiming. I generally want to aim for the head. If I don't hit the head, he's just a zombie shambling. I can get away. So running and gunning is one thing, but when that shot counts, that makes it much more difficult. Well, um, at the risk of making a reference that you won't understand, what you're saying is to shoot first, think never. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, clear, clear your head. Think. Don't do anything. Just don't think. Don't think and shoot. Okay. Well, that's good. And also, practice doesn't make perfect. No, practice makes me much worse at golf. <laughs> Hopefully, not everything is like that. The more you do I, something, the worse you get at it. Yeah. I haven't played golf in years. I must be fantastic at it now. Oh, you're probably amazing. Yeah. You should go out <laughs> and play a round of golf. You'll set a new world record. I'll for get a hole in something. one. Oh, yeah. Probably would. <laughs> Uh, okay, next up is Floyd on the internet, right? 
Yeah. Floyd, I'm so done with this wolf crap. I mean, knock it off with the cryptic, you shouldn't be here, you're all dead bullshit, and get on with it. We've been dealing with this asshole since last season. Enough already. In fact, enough with this stretching out of these storylines in general, for that matter. Are the showrunners worried about running out of material? No, they've got a source material that is quite full of very awesome, fantastic, great stuff. They do, but when you think about it, you know, we are getting to a point now where, uh, so this Negan character is going to show up that we heard about. Let's say they spend season two getting through that. Se- se- uh, not season two. Seven. Like, you mean the second <laughs> seven. half of season seven? No, no, no. Season six we're in now. Sorry. See, the rest of season six, I think, is going to be the setup for that and maybe a little bit of it. I think- so Negan will show up post-credits at the end of the season? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm just saying that, like, I don't think sort of we're going to be done with Negan at the end of season six, but maybe at the end of season seven. Then season eight, assuming we continue going, um, will be sort of that kind of post-Negan comic era, which I hope isn't a spoiler. Right. Um, and, uh, and And then where are we? Then we're kind of caught up to the comics a little bit. So maybe they are worried about running out of material because what's the show going to do if it ever gets surpassed, uh, surpasses the comic? Well, they're having that problem with Game of Thrones, right? Well, yeah, because there's no books left, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know anything about that because I haven't read the Game of Thrones books and I have no idea what's going to happen on the show. I'm they have Robert Kirkman leading up the writing team. I'm sure there's lots of material that they can uh, they can dig into well beyond the comic. Frankly, I look forward to that because I I want to be I want to I want to separate from the comic a little bit, I think. I like having it there as an influence and I do there are things that I like seeing, you know, come to life on the screen. But I think I would be I, I think I want a little bit less of that now because I feel like I can sort of see what's coming too easily on the show these days. Right. So I'm not saying I want them to plow through or go too fast or whatever, but if there we ever got to a point where we are ahead of the comic or we no longer have the comic as our as our basis for the storylines, I would be okay with that, I think. Yeah, that'd be okay. You know, I don't think the comic will ever follow the TV show. Like if we get ahead of the comic, the comic will go off in a different direction, right? Oh yeah, that would be weird actually if the if if we did that if the TV show got ahead and now suddenly the comic is kind of being influenced by the show. But hey, Robert Kirkman is involved in writing both of them or I mean he writes the comic entirely and he's involved in writing the show, so you never yeah. know what could happen. That would be weird though. Be a weird world. Very. All right, next we have Rebecca in Lancashire, UK. I love Carol's logic. I will kill you. To, uh, I will kill you to kill him because I don't want anyone else to die. <laughs> yeah, genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand what she's saying, but it sounds funny when you put it like that. I'll kill every one of you last motherfuckers in order to save you all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so nobody else has to die. <laughs> That's it's, right. It's as simple as that. All right, next up is Kim on the internet. I think The Walking Dead creators are paying too much attention to the phenomenon of The Walking Dead and not enough to making a great TV show. The Walking Dead may fall victim to its own popularity because it can't stand up to the level of scrutiny it gets. For example, 
the Alpha Wolf swears several times that he's going to kill everyone, and then somehow gets two guns and leaves everyone alive. How much more of an impact would the mid-season finale have had if the wolf had killed Eugene, Tara, and Rosita before being put down by Carol or Morgan? I know certain actors or characters are beloved by fans, beloved by fans, but in the end, they are all just tools to tell a story. They quickly become irrelevant if the story sucks. And this is a great point, Kim. That is a fantastic point, Kim. Uh, he would have, he should have shot them all. He said that's what he's going to do. He sat in that room and said, I'm going to kill everybody, men, women, children, in this town. Then he gets two guns and a machete, and he walks out of the room without killing anybody. I mean, that's, put that's it, crazy. Put it like that. It sounds stupid, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And she's right. I mean, death isn't the only thing that can have an impact on a show like this, but it's one of the things that can have an enormous impact emotionally and just generally you know because not a lot of people die on tv shows so you kill off three i don't know main or secondary characters in one scene like that four Pe even four even people would have been losing their shit over yeah. like on one hand the walking dead is so brave to have done that and on the other hand how dare the walking head walking head walking dead do that <laughs> right you know yeah. and it just i think no matter what it would have been amazing uh only because it would have sparked a reaction in people more than I wish they'd done more with this episode. Yeah. So, Kim, thank you. That was amazing. It was. Good point. All right, John on the internet writes, My holy crap moment. Frickin' Deanna choosing to kill some zombies by shooting them instead of just killing herself. Her intense stare and yelling without any sound... Without any sound going, it's perfect. I just hope they. Uh, I just hope they're done and leave her on that note. Yep, we don't want to see any more of Deanna. Yeah, I mean, they might bring her back as a zombie, but maybe not. I hope not. Yeah, I hope we just don't see her anymore. Yeah, that's right. She's she's just done in there. I mean, if we see her, it's only because they've somehow managed to clear out the town, resecure the place, and they've gone to get her body so that they can give her a proper burial or send off or whatever. Ah, they wouldn't do that. No, well, they might. I mean, they show they show like funeral or burial services for for major characters sometimes, right? We've seen it a few times. Um, whether they do it for Tiana, I don't know, but that's sort of the only thing I would be happy with. Yeah. Uh, okay, Michael in Brisbane, Australia. I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but I feel like this episode was just another piece of lead up in a season that has all uh, led up to this very moment. We stopped short of a couple of massive comic book moments that I thought would have made this a truly memorable mid-season finale. Now they're going to presumably get them in the first... We're going to presumably get them in the first episode back, but it seems like we didn't get the payoff we needed for this block of episodes. It would be like if they had cut to black in the season four mid-season finale just as the governor is about to swing the katana down on Herschel's neck. Right. You know, it's cut to black just as he swings it down... I would have been pissed. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see it. Thanks, Michael. All right, next we have Kevin in Chicago. Couple of thoughts. One, can we all agree to call Alpha Wolf by his real name, Rusty Bumper? It's a great name. I'm, I'm all for it. Done and done. Yep. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Two, don't get so down on the episode, Chris. 
Between Glenn and Enid outside the gate, the gore suit conga line, Morgan and Carol on the ground, and Daryl and the gang encountering the group of saviors, this episode did exactly what a mid-season finale should have done. It kept us hanging, and now there is a lot to look forward to come February. All I can say is that I think there still would have been a lot to look forward to if they had sprinkled in some of this really great stuff that we're all expecting in this episode and the last two before it. Yeah. Right? And Rusty Bumper, that's a great name. Rusty's a good name, you know, for a boy or a girl. Had I had any boys, maybe Rusty would have been in, in the running for the names. At, Rusty's good. At least I would have suggested it, and then my wife would have said, um, no. <laughs> I've always been kind of partial to Stanley for a girl. Stanley? I, why don't you just name her Johnson? Like, no, no, that, no, Stanley. It's Stan. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't, I don't you see don't it. You don't like it? I don't, well, it's a fine name. It's nothing a fine nothing, name. Nothing wrong with Stan or Stanley, but... You I should mean, name kids after food anyway. Enchilada. Enchilada Miles. Now see that's that a good name? I, that I'm okay with, yeah. Enchilada Spaghetti Miles. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any do you have any more ready to go? Uh, you know, taco. <laughs> taco well, Miles. Taco's been used. There was a what was that uh uh what's that show? The, the League. What, the, the League. The League, yeah, yeah. There was a taco in there, wasn't there? Taco's not bad. Is it all Mexican food though for you? <laughs> Spaghetti's not Mexican. No, that's true. That was a middle name though. That was a middle name. Su- okay, where the hell are we? Sushi Miles. Uh next is uh, me, right? Yeah. Kimo in Sweden writes, that extra scene with Abe, Sasha, and Daryl was so incredibly crappy that I feel insulted on behalf of the characters. It felt like something out of a parallel universe where they have to watch a crappy Walking Dead show, poor bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Am I to believe that my experienced warriors would slowly and meekly drive into this ambush and hand over everything they have without a fight? They are so, so, so outpowering them in vehicle and firepower, and we know they have guts and wits, and they use and none of it. Weak. They freaking rockets. They do. The only thing, though, is they're not prepared. It's not like Abraham is sitting there with, a, with the friggin' rocket on his shoulder, like, loaded and ready to go. If they, if, if they were, he could have hung out the window and just fired it off and taken out every one of those bastards all at once. No, you just, you grab a rocket, you lean your head out the window and get, say, get lost, assholes. We got freaking rockets. And then and they all scatter. Well, holy shit, they got rockets. Yeah, I, I get it. But they weren't ready for them, right? They were rolling down the road, just trying to get home and not thinking about being ambushed. Because like, what are the chances of an ambush? Although it did only happen like, you know. Four minutes ago? Four minutes ago. <laughs> maybe maybe the, the, the day before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Maybe it's time to start thinking about being ambushed all the time. It's ambush country. Didn't they get ambushed like, Daryl got ambushed like twice? Well, I mean, they-, get, they get, Oh, no, Daryl didn't. They each got ambushed once, at least once before, right? Because right? Daryl got ambushed by those, uh, the guys in the bush. Well, they, right? they all of them did it together in the cars at the beginning, right? Uh, yes, they did. So Daryl got ambushed twice. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Abraham and uh, what's her eyebrows only got, only got ambushed once, but they're in ambush country. They know this clearly. <laughs> Load your rocket launchers, friends. Yeah, you know Sasha was holding her gun, I think, because she never puts it down. Um, but they but should I, be doing road warrior crap, man. Sasha should be on the roof of that that diesel truck, pointing her rifle forward. I I think I'm with you. Just ready for anything, you know. That's right. But it's hard to stay that alert all the time, especially when you've just gone through a lot of crap and 
you're just trying to get home, right? You, you, you're, people let their guard down, but it's too bad that this is the moment where they let their guard down and they're in ambush country, so they're well, ambushed. They just want to let their, let their hair down, turn on the radio, listen to his music, go through a drive through eat some fries, head home. Boy, that sounds nice. Sounds nice. Uh, You're right, but that's the problem. But, you know, once the problem is once they're not prepared, you can't get prepared in the middle of an ambush because by nature, an ambush comes out of nowhere. Um, By definition, I should say. And, you know, once they got out of that truck, it was too late. They couldn't do anything at that point. You know, I learned two things about uh, being ambushed when I was in basic training. You want to hear what they are? I think, uh, yes, I do. All right. So the first thing is that a successful ambush kills everybody. An unsuccessful ambush kills 97%. So when you get, and then the second thing is when you get ambushed or you're in the middle of an ambush, run, like just run towards, just run anywhere because you got to confuse their lines uh, so that they don't know which way you're to shoot at. And that's your only chance of getting the hell out of there alive. Just run, because there's nothing you can do because you're unprepared. Right. Okay. So either you run and die, or you just stand there and die. So run. Or the 3% chance that you run and get away. Exactly. Right. Okay. Wow. So a successful ambush kills absolutely everybody. Now, this was basic training, so they might full well have been lying their asses off to us because they're trying to get us to do what they want us to do, and what they want us to do is run, because it's basic training, and- (laughs) Basically, you run a lot. You run a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds like I would hate it. <laughs> uh, it was kind of fun after a while. It started off being absolute and utter hell. But once you are you mentally leaned into it, it actually was not bad. Is that what destroyed your knees, basic training? No. No, I came out of, the, I came out of basic training in the best shape of my life. Well, I showed up. I was uh, six weeks in basic training. And when I got home, I went to a buddy's house. He didn't recognize me because I was so friggin' buff. Well, sure. I was just this massive guy. No, I came out of that in the best shape of my life. Right, but 15 years- We were doing like five, 600 push-ups a day. 15 years later, you have knees that don't work anymore. Do you think that- Oh my God, I run like an old woman. That contributed to it, probably. Um, No. And my other- No? No, it's probably just bad knees. The thing, everything I've known about, what were you, 18, 19? 17. 17. 17? It was a reserve, so you didn't have to be 18. Okay, so everything I know about people who've done that sort of thing- um, you know, they men or boys go into this and they come out men. <laughs> right. Right. I know a lot of guys who've done military service. Uh, they live uh, in a country where it uh, was mandatory, not anymore, but it was mandatory. And yeah, they go in as boys and they come out as men. So, you know, they people change when they go into the army. Yeah. Now, granted, I was just in the reserves and I did basic training and that was the worst I had to go through. After that, I was in a pipe band and basically drinking all the time. <laughs> so so I, un- wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> categorize it as military service. Okay, not you. I would categorize it as basic training. Okay. All right. You still came out in the best shape of your life and then undid did. all that good work by drinking all the time. Many, many years <laughs> of sloth and smoking and drinking. Perfect. Undid that shit. All right. All right, next we have a call in Gareth, Germany. No, Gareth from Germany. <laughs> I love Gareth, Germany. It's such a nice place. Such a nice place. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, Illinois. That's a good place, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, here we go. Uh, Gareth in Germany. Hello, chaps. It's me, Gareth, from Bielefeld in Germany. Just listening to the uh, the review of the 
mid-season finale and uh, I feel exactly the same way. I don't know what to think about it, but I have also seen the promo, which I'm assuming you might have seen by now, for the beginning of the next half. And if they'd have showed that at the end of this episode, I think that would have made up for it. Because simply, I don't, I've not even read the comics, but simply the mention of the name Negan uh, sent shivers down my spine. So yeah, they should have done that at the end of it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Gareth in Germany. Um, that's interesting. Having not read the comics, but the mention of the name gets him excited. I really? Mean, I mean, he must know, he must have some knowledge of, of who Negan is or what he does or what he's all about. Unless to someone who has no idea, that scene was just enough of like dangling the carrot to spark a lot of interest. I don't know. Well, I would think that it is because, you know, I, I know who the character of Negan is and I'm more excited about the actor than I am about the character. Yeah, that's a bit of... I hope that doesn't turn into a problem, right? Jeffrey Dean Morgan is kind of a well-known actor, and he, I'm a big fan, and I guess you're a big fan. Um, I don't want to just look at the screen and see him all the time. I want to look at the screen and see Negan, but I'm not too... I'm not overly worried because Lenny yeah. James, I'm a huge Lenny James fan, and I don't see Lenny James. I see Morgan. Did you know Lenny James before seeing him yes. on this show? Yes, I did. The first time I saw Lenny James was in Jericho. Oh, which okay. was years and years ago. See, I didn't, I didn't know Lenny James before the show. I do know um, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but there's other people on this show that I knew before The Walking Dead, and I don't see them. I see their characters too. So right. I think it just comes down to good acting and getting used to it. And uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a hell of a performance from uh, JDM. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Going to be great. Uh, really quick, uh, Jerry in Indiana, USA. Negan's crew stop fifty to a hundred yards away and light up an RPG, followed by a cigar, I guess. <laughs> but you know, we spoke about this already. You're just not ready. You can't light up an RPG that quick, I don't think, when guys are pointing assault rifles at you. Yeah, you know that's true. That's so. why you got to be ready. I mean, that's one of the again back to basic training. One of the things they uh, they taught us and they drilled us drilled into our heads quite repeatedly was uh, when you're walking down the road, your weapon is at the ready. Like it's not slung on your back. It's not uh, you know pointed up in the air like on your hip pointed up in the <laughs> air. You never do that because if it's pointed up in the air, the, your rifle might as well be on the moon if you get ambushed. Correct. Right, because it's not going to do you any good. So it's got to be uh, in your arms uh, where you can draw it or bring it to bear really quickly. And it's never, ever, ever outside of your arm's reach. And this, like is, if it's, this is the kind of thing that you'd think Abraham would take to heart and know. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's like, uh, um, I was reading a book a little while ago. It was about an air marshal on, on a plane, and he had a pistol that was in the overhead bin, and the plane was hijacked, and he was sitting in his seat. His pistol might, have, might as well have been on the moon. Yeah. Like he's not going to be able to get to it, so why have it if it's going to be someplace where you don't have it handily ready? Yeah. No, so. that, that makes a lot of sense. Just be prepared. <laughs> be prepared. That's the Boy Scout motto, isn't sure. it? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. All right. All right, next we have Matt in Yorkshire, England. Over here in the UK, the post credit scene with Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham was shown immediately after the credits and rolled, uh, it had rolled, and not during the following commercial, like in following commercials, like in Canada and the US. 
This helped make the scene feel less like it was tacked on to appease fans and more like an actual part of the episode. For me, it helped to redeem what was a pretty poor finale, and the introduction of a much-talked-about new character at least gives us something to look forward to. Right. So I can see that. You know, I stayed around. Basically, they teased this when Walking Dead aired here, and so I stuck around after the episode and waited through the beginning of Into the Badlands and watched this uh, extra scene. And for me, yeah, it felt like it felt disconnected from the episode. But maybe if they'd put it right at the end, um, even before the credits, like I don't think post credits, they have to do that all the time, right? Just edit it in where it where it should be. Um, it might have felt a little more joined up and I was, would have been a little more excited about it. So Yeah, I still haven't seen it. Oh, dude, <laughs> get get on that, <laughs> would you? <laughs> yeah, got things to do. I know. Well, that's what we, I thought, I was hoping that's what you were too busy doing last night, watching this, and then, and then we record today. <laughs> no, no. Even though it was mostly my fault that we didn't record. All right, next up is Bill in Indiana. During the episode, I was thinking Daryl's group should be arriving soon. We heard Eugene on the radio when the group was about 20 to 30 minutes out. So I was wondering why they hadn't arrived back at Alexandria. The post credit scene answered that for me. Maybe it was not just to name drop Negan. Mm. So I think Bill is just saying they didn't want them to get back that soon, so they needed to come up with this way to delay them. Right. Uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. I mean, that's just sort of the story. So they don't they don't get back in time to save everybody. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're still not going to get back to Alexandria. It just sounds like they're not going to have any of their cool stuff anymore. Well, I don't know. Like, maybe they... Is it just a... Uh, a stand and deliver kind of thing like you're being highway robbed and give me all your stuff and you can be on your way or is it a uh, we're going to take all your stuff and oh by the way we collect slaves you're coming too yeah I I don't know I mean maybe they will never get back to Alexandria and we're going to have a rescue mission of sorts here in the second half yeah that could be I don't know we will have to find out if they can get out get their uh uh, get their shit together and uh, not be these uh, gore-covered victims, then uh, they can mount a rescue mission once they get to the armory. Once they get to the armory. But, I mean, how are they even going to know that where they are or who's taken them or anything like that? So uh, yeah. a, lot of un- a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. All right, next up is Kurt in upstate New York. Okay, maybe I'm missing something, but why does it seem like there are too many zombies to kill? Uh, either when the zombies were surrounding the walls and now uh, when they're inside. The only time I remember people on zombie duty was during the prison storyline. They jab them through the chain link. Why exactly can't they poke them with a long stick? Sure, it'll take a while, but really, maybe a couple of days of steady poking. Uh, maybe somebody uh, with some ingenuity ingenuity can use a tree limb lopper, one of those chainsaws on a pole numbers. Uh, surely if this town has a, has helium tanks, then someone is bound to have a chainsaw on a pole to keep their Pleasantville trees manicured. Yeah, so, you know, why couldn't they just start clearing the zombies away from the, the wall instead of just letting them hang around? Like Sharpen a friggin' stick. And just start poking them down. I mean, it'll take a long time, but put yeah. a, strap a knife, duct tape a knife to the end of a pole, and there you go. You'll slowly start creating a barrier of zombie bodies. Which I know we've also we've talked about is sort of more of a zombie ladder. For yeah, the other more ones like a up. ramp. More yeah. of a ramp. You're building a ramp for the zombies to get up close to you, but then you can use a shorter stick. You can use a shorter stick, and you can just keep doing it, right? So, yeah. you know, I don't understand why they don't at least try some of these things. Maybe it just makes for boring TV. You know, 
um, yeah. which, which could be it. Well, there was a, or you just do one of those things where you surround your house with uh, treadmills. <laughs> yes. So the zombies can't get close. I've seen that image too. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. Next up is, who's next up? Marty. Marty. Uh, in the second mud hut on the left, Auckland, New Zealand. Holy crap, did you see that? Well, no, you wouldn't have because it happened in my house. (laughs) (laughs) I did not see that, Marty. No, no, we're not outside your mud hut staring in the windows. Uh, Do mud huts have windows? Sometimes. Okay, maybe. Maybe not glass windows, but they got holes. The the fancy mud huts. Um, Where am I? In In a show that has for five and a half years given us walking, decomposing corpses who occasionally have their skin peeled off, Rotting, half-eaten faces, entrails, brains, decapitations, mutilations, eviscerations, cannibalization, gorification, and a ton of other disgusting stomach-turning Asians. My fiancé gets freaked out and cannot watch as a bunch of ants swarm over to a half-eaten cookie. (laughs) Really? This is where she draws the line. What is this world coming to? (laughs) Oh my god, ants! (laughs) Ants! And they're on food! Because ants are a real danger, Marty. That's real life danger. That's that's crap getting into your house that uh, is unacceptable and uh, it can freak someone out. Because once ants get in your ha- in your house, Pants? Jason, I was g- <laughs> way to step on the joke. I was going to say once ants get in your house, where, oh, where's I... the next place they go? I don't know the bathroom. Your pants. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny, Marty, that all of this stuff happens and she's not into the ants. But, you know, nobody likes ants. Yeah. Except people generally. that do, and they're weird. <laughs> they're ant- entomologists? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Next we have uh, Alejo in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Holy crap. If I move next year, I will surely hire the Alexandria Moving Company. <laughs> They move couches and other furniture as if they were feathers, and they don't seem to show any back pain afterwards. Last month, I moved my bed and had to take ibuprofen for a week. They can just pick up a couch, flip it on its side, and shove it up against a door. Adrenaline, my friend. Oh, adrenaline. It's adrenaline. They're uh, running on pure adrenaline, and maybe after uh, they have to calm down and walk through that crowd, by the time they get to the other area, uh, wherever they're going, the armory maybe, uh, they're going to be sore and stiff and who knows, even maybe even like torn ligaments and all kinds of uh, ach- achy ouchies. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it's, I guess adrenaline can do a lot for you in the moment. It's a, it, adrenaline is an amazing painkiller. You don't feel anything when you're You don't high feel on. anything and it's an appetite suppressant. You're not hungry. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Adrenaline is awesome. You're just jacked up. Yeah. All right, uh, next up is Diego in way too sunny Mexico City. I really feel bad for you, Diego, considering the weather here. Yeah. <laughs> Diego writes, I've, been, I've become so disappointed with this show. I decided to make an experiment at the beginning of the season. I would not watch any episodes this season. I would just listen to the podcast and read two reviews on the internet. So I had a general idea of what's going on. Honestly, I've enjoyed listening to the podcast and the feedback more than the actual show. I was spared watching the ridiculousness of Glen Apocalypse, the tired Rick Tatorship versus Alexandrian storyline, the Morgan episode, the generic bad guy wolves killing generic red shirts but inexplicably not killing any main character, Rick getting out of a van surrounded by 
uh, hundreds of walkers, Abraham's awful dialogue, and finally, the letdown the mid-season finale was. Sure, the first two episodes sounded great, and I almost bailed on the experiment, but as expected, the showrunners didn't disappoint. We get two good episodes, followed by five terrible ones, with an okay one at the end. Interesting. I, I am of two minds of this. On one hand, I think this is a really interesting experiment to not watch the show and just listen to us and read reviews. I mean, I don't know if that's a good idea, but <laughs> it's interesting. And it, it, it sound, it's similar to like what we, I think, talked about earlier this week on the last episode where one of us should watch an episode and the other one shouldn't. That might be an interesting experiment. Well, it sounds like Diego basically did that. Um, on the other hand, I cannot honestly in good conscience condone judging something that you haven't seen that's true right to to actually form an opinion on something you have to have experienced it at least when it comes to tv shows um unless you're a politician well politicians seem to uh, judge things without actually experiencing them all the time well there's lots of things in life that you can judge without actually experiencing them like i know that cutting off my arm is not going to be a fun experience and i don't have to do it to find that out um but watching a piece of art or a tv show <laughs> i say that like they're different things um but watch <laughs> you you can't truly judge a tv show without watching it so um diego i do think it's an interesting experiment and um I, I sort of enjoy hearing about the res outcome for you, the results. Uh, but I say watch the show. Go back and watch it. Now that you've done this, go and watch the first eight and uh, and let us know what you think. If your sort of non-watching opinion changes or does not change after seeing them. Yeah, I report back. That'd be, uh, that'd be good to know. I feel like that's kind of the second half to this experiment, right? You've done the first half and now you got to see what the outcome is if you do go and see the episodes. Yeah, actually, uh, a true uh, a true experiment uh, would involve going, uh, erasing your, your memory uh, and then going and watching them for the first time without knowing any of this other extraneous crap. Yeah, yeah, writing everything down so you can refer to it some other time, but then... Well, he's already wrote it down. He wrote us an email. Well, okay, so he wrote That's good email. enough for me. <laughs> okay, fine. So feel free to go erase your memory, Diego. And uh, start from the beginning, yeah. That's right. But uh, write, write a note saying that you should write in, <laughs> telling us what you thought, because you don't want to forget that part. Sounds very complicated. It does. And impossible. <laughs> and impossible. Don't forget the impossible part. Yeah, But yeah, I, I think that sounds interesting. All, All right. Next, we have Leslie in Tulsa. I want to start by saying how much I have always enjoyed and appreciated your podcast. I am certain I will continue to tune in. This is my first writing to first time writing to you, and I had to respond to the feedback sent by Russ in episode 243 of your podcast. He very eloquently stated exactly why I personally have abandoned the series. Always Accountable was sadly my last. I never missed an episode in 5.25 seasons, but I finally had enough. I agree that most seasons have had a clunker or two, but episodes five and six were just appalling. Now I'm just insulted by AMC, Kirkman, and company. As uh, It's as if the show writers and producers are so sure of our loyal loyalty that they are just phoning it in now. There are too many well-written and produced shows available today for me to waste my limited and precious free time on a show that doesn't even seem to be trying anymore. It's truly heartbreaking to see a once original and beautifully written program devolve in this way, and I can't watch it happen anymore. 
Well, that's kind of sad. That is kind of sad. You know, I don't like to uh, to hear this kind of thing where people have just totally given up. But it's a fair reaction. I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And it does harken back to an earlier email on this podcast about, uh, you know, the people making this show have somewhat bought into the mythology or the hype a little too much. And they're pandering to that instead of delivering the best possible show they can. And that does suck. That definitely sucks. I'm not totally to a point where I actually entirely 100% believe that, but in some ways it feels like it a little bit. So I can see the point. Keep watching the show and keep uh, keep listening to the podcast. We'll be your support group. We'll get through this together. As you've said, we we are essentially a support group, and it's yeah. uh, you know when it's good, it's great. When it's bad, it's not so great, but it's still good to uh, to be here and and talk about it and analyze it. So uh, yeah, Leslie, keep watching. Come on, keep watching and keep listening, and we'll be here for you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Leslie. All right. That was a ton of email and feedback. So thank you so much to everyone for writing in. Um, So that's it. That is the first half of season six. Uh, Season six continues with episode nine on February 14th. So we've got a couple of months off. Some of the things we're going to do in that time is read and review the latest novel in the series of Walking Dead novels. That probably won't happen until January I'm thinking though Jason yeah probably not um if uh if the latest uh Walking Dead video game from Telltale comes out I'm gonna think maybe we might play that too and, and yeah talk we'll about dig that into that for bit. sure that'd be awesome yeah for sure that's that's gonna be the one about Michonne which is cool yeah um season three of the main game uh there's not really a lot of information on that yet so we'll uh you know, I don't think that's going to come out, but if the Michonne one does, then we'll do that. And then uh, otherwise, maybe we'll do, you know, some Walking Dead news episodes. And uh, I was also thinking about doing probably a short episode in the next few weeks about that's a little more spoilery. Uh, talk about the comics a little bit. Talk about where we think the show is going, what we know about the comics, what we know about upcoming characters and situations and things like that. So I think we might do that, too. Yeah. Right. For for example, we're going to talk all about... I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm just faking. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to break out the sensor button. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there is a lot of stuff that I've danced around a little bit as we've talked here uh, about things, you know, because I feel like even saying like I have all I had all these expectations for the mid-season finale and none of them played out, those are all based on comic book scenes and things like that, which I've tried to not you know, say anything really about here because we don't want to spoil it. But I think we're at a point where we need to just do an episode where we get into all that stuff and, and, you know, run through it and see where we land. So, uh, we might do that coming up soon. Um, and there could be some, you know, emails from you guys that that we bring and read on that show because people seem to mention it in emails a lot too. Um, so that's all coming up over the next little while uh, before the show comes back in February. Cool. Um, but in the meantime, you can, of course, contact us by uh, hitting us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Find us on Twitter at talkingdead or uh, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you do want to hear more of me during the break, you should check me out on 
Evil Dead Cast, which is a show I do with Jason from The Walking Dead Cast, our friends over there, um, and a guy named Rich, his buddy Rich. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We've been watching Ash versus Evil Dead, and we do a, do a weekly podcast on that too. Next episode is coming up this Saturday night, so we should have a new episode out uh, shortly after that. You can find out more about that at podcastica.com or facebook.com slash evildeadcast. Um, also, I'm going to be at Walker Stalker Con in New York slash New Jersey this weekend. I go tomorrow, and I'm there all weekend, so I will be hanging around the con. So uh, say hi if you see me, and I hope to see people at panels and in bars and <laughs> things like that. So right. it should be a good time there. Um, so yeah, lots lots going on in the next little while that we have to uh, have to do. Anything you have to do in the next little while, Jason? I got a ton of work to do. Ton of work, like work, work, like work, work. Yeah. Oh man, you're having a busy December. I'm having a very busy December. That's because we have a code freeze uh, coming up on uh, December fifteenth. So uh, it's got to be in by the end of, by December fifteenth, and then everything stops. So it's a kind of uh, got to do all the crap right now so that I can relax later. Sweet. It's like a no trade. It's sorry. It's like a trade deadline. You can't make a trade. You can't make player movements after December fifteenth. That's right. Yeah, it's just, uh, that's it. You can't make any system changes after that because uh, they don't want anything to break over the holidays. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you get through all that. And uh, we, of course, will not be too far gone. Uh, We will take the next week off probably, but then we'll be back with more stuff. So I hope I haven't forgot anyone. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened to us this season and all the previous seasons to that. If you're not going to stick around for the break, I hope you will join us again when the show comes back in February. Um, and uh, that's that's it, I, set, I suppose. We're going to end this week with a song, which is, I don't know, sort of fun. <laughs> it's not something we're going to sing. We're, well, right? we're not going to We're sing. not going to end this with a song like, no. One, two, three. Yeah, we're just not going to do that, right? No, we're not going to do that. Nobody would want that. Nobody would no. continue to listen to that. Good Lord. No, that if would... Uh, you want to scare yeah. people away. That's a good idea. Yeah. But um, an unnamed listener in England, he sent this in. Uh, I guess it's his band. They're called The Zeros. And uh, this is a song called Don't Get Bit. And it's pretty cool. It's fun. So I thought I'd play it at the end here. So thank you, um, listener in England who didn't mention his name. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'd say it if I could. But uh, if you want to check out this band, soundcloud.com slash the dash zeros. That's soundcloud.com slash T-H-E dash Z-E-R-O-E-S. And it's called Don't Get Bit. All right. Until next time, everyone. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Screwed. Turns out we're